Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or download our free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 50 called A Word to Sustain the Weary. God is calling us to himself. He has given to us a ministry of reconciliation. And he says to his own bride Israel, his own covenant people, look, yes, it's true. I sent you away for a while. I was angry. We've all had moments. We've all had moments where, you know, in the moment something happened. It may have been right, but that covenant was something that we saw as true and right and came back to it. Look at um, Isaiah 62, verse 4. Isaiah 62, verse 4. So God says of his people, it will no longer be said to you, forsaken. Isaiah 62, 4. Nor to your land will it any longer be said, desolate. But you will be called, my delight is in her, And your land married, for the Lord delights in you, and to him your land will be married. For as a young man marries a virgin, so your sons will marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so your God will rejoice over you. This is the reconciliation. This is what will happen in the future. And as the book of Isaiah goes on, it, it tells us of a millennial reign of Jesus Christ in Isaiah 65 and 66. And that's when we'll end the book together. And it talks about that restored millennial uh, Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem. And one of the main features that we've looked at in that end times is a marriage supper of the Lamb. It's recorded in Revelation 19, 6 through 9 and in Isaiah 25, 6 through 9. And in both those places, it talks about a banquet, a feast, where all that was wrong is made right again, where the land is restored, where there is a new Jerusalem, where once uh, the word that could be said of that land and that people is forsaken, now what will be said of that land and that people is married, reconciled to God. And their whole struggle is really a picture of what it's always been like for the people who go through this journey of faith, and that is that God pursues us and God woos us and wins us, if you will, but we go through a struggle. Even as Christians, uh, being faithful and consistent is not always easy. We know we're in a marriage relationship with the Lamb of God, but it's a good thing that he's patient with us. I mentioned to you my first four years as a Christian you know, if, if he wasn't a faithful God, there's no way I'd still be a Christian because he would have kicked me out a long time ago. And still he has reasons to do so even today. But the point is that God is faithful to his covenant. And he has said to us, I will never leave you or forsake you. Now, another thing that's mentioned in Isaiah 50 is this idea of the creditors. Go back there. God says in Isaiah 50, where is the certificate of divorce by which I have sent uh, your mother away? And or, and or to whom of my creditors did I sell you? Now, when someone was indebted uh, to a creditor, what would happen is their, they themselves and their children could be sold into slavery. 
And so if you had, if you owed somebody a bunch of money and you couldn't repay the debt, that creditor could take you, put you in jail and take your wife and kids and put them into slavery. Now they're not doing that today. But that did happen. And in a parable that Jesus told in Matthew 18 about a king who forget, who forgave debts, that's exactly the image that he paints. I think it's around verse 25 in Matthew 18. I think that's the correct address. And there he says that they were going to be sold into slavery. And God says, look, look at the verse. Uh, to whom of my creditors did I sell you? And the answer is no, God doesn't have any creditors. He's not in debt to anyone. But he is a redeemer. And so in one sense, they were sold to the creditors and then redeemed back. The word redemption means to what? To buy back from slavery. And so the picture of a redeemer really means to redeem one from the slave market of sin. And that's the idea of redemption. And that's what God did for Israel in Babylon and Egypt and and in any other case where he brought deliverance to the people of God or to us as Christians. It's because he's our redeemer. What has he redeemed you from? You were not redeemed from your futile way of life by silver and gold, from your aimless conduct, but you were redeemed from by the, what, precious blood of Jesus Christ as of a lamb without spot or blemish. He redeemed you from the slave market of sin, from the bondage of sin and death, and if he doesn't redeem you, guess what? Your creditor is sin and death, and you're dead. That's the truth. That's what he's redeemed you from. When people hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, what they may not understand is that Jesus is not just not just an optional choice for your life or portfolio. Maybe I'll give Jesus a try if... No, come on. The Bible teaches that you need Jesus Christ because you are in debt to God because there's a debt that you cannot pay and he comes in as the redeemer and sets you free by purchasing you, and the amazing thing is he purchased you by dying himself, though he was innocent. In essence, what he does is pays your fine. He pays your debt. He takes your place. He says, kill me instead of them. I will suffer as though I owed that debt, though he was innocent. That's the gospel. And that's what God did for his people. And he says in verse 2 of Isaiah 50, Why was there no man when I came? If you have an NIV, it says, When I came, why was there no one? When I called, why was there none to answer? Now, how did God come to the people in Babylonian captivity? He came through the prophets. And the prophets said, Get right with the Lord. The reason you're here is this get right. Repent of your sin and come back to him. And time and time and time again, the prophets came to the people of Israel and they spoke truth and the people of Israel said, eh, I don't know. Eh. See, that's how God comes. God comes through the preaching of his word. And we have a choice whether or not we'll respond to it. You can sit there and listen to sermon after sermon for the next 50 years, but unless you have the intention of obeying, then it's not doing you a whole lot of good. Now, there's a process. I understand that. I sat and listened to sermons before things clicked with me, but God is saying when I came, listen to these words. There was no man. When I called, isn't it annoying when you call and, no, and, and nobody answers? This is a dilemma, especially for parents. 
Did you not hear me when I called you? Usually it's because they have things in their ears, right? And then sometimes there's honestly just what we call selective hearing, i.e. a Dodger game's on in my case. I don't hear anything when a Dodger game's on. My wife has learned not to try to talk to me when a Dodger game is on. Now, if you hit the pause button, then I wake up out of the baseball slumber and I return to reality. But God says, when I called, there was no one to answer. He says, is my hand, or NIV says, arm so short that it can't ransom? No, he reached it out. Have I no power to deliver? Behold, I dry up the sea with my rebuke. Think of the Red Sea. I make the rivers a wilderness. Think of the Jordan River. Their fish stink for lack of water. It's not that I don't have the power. They die of thirst. It's that when I called, nobody was picking up the phone. It's not lack of power. It's not that my arm is too short. My arm's been reached out to Israel all day long. Have I reached out my hands to a stubborn and obstinate people? And it's a good thing that God doesn't give up. Because I know that for some of you, you can relate to this. He was knocking for a long time before you answered that door. And sometimes we answer the door when things get tough. When we sing that song, I hear you knocking, but you can't come in. Right? And then all of a sudden, things get tough. And we go, come in, Lord, I need help. That's all right. He'll be faithful. God says, I clothe the heavens with blackness, verse 3. You don't think I have the power? I caused the, the ninth plague in Egypt was a plague of darkness. And by the way, the sixth seal before Jesus Christ returns will be the darkening of the sun, moon, and stars just prior to his second coming. Just before the Passover, the ninth plague was the plague of darkness, so dark that it could be felt by the Egyptians, yet it was light in Goshen where Israel was. And right before Jesus comes, we're told in Revelation 6, Matthew 24, that the natural lights will go out and the glory of Jesus will appear in the sky. That's why you won't miss it. You ever seen a cool fireworks show at one of those stadiums? They turn all the lights out and boom, 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 boom. Ah, boom, boom, ah. Oh, it's going to be much better than that. This is a show you ain't never seen before. Think of, have you ever seen those pictures of one of those cool, powerful lightning strikes in a darkened sky? And you go, wow. It's going to be more radical than that. The God of all the universe is coming back in a darkened sky. He said, man, I can cover the sky with sackcloth, the heavens with uh, blackness. I can... I can do what I want. The Lord God, now we're going to move into the servant. This is the Messiah. This is Yahweh. If you're interested in Hebrew uh, words and names of God, you could render this, the sovereign Yahweh has given me, and this is now the emerging Messiah, the servant of Yahweh. He's given me the tongue of disciples that I may know how to sustain the weary one with a word. Isaiah 50, verse 4. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. I told you this is the third of four servant songs. It begins to point to the Messiah prophetically. And one thing that you can know about the Messiah is that he was given the tongue of a disciple. If you have uh, New King James, it says he was given the tongue of the learned. Uh, ESV says he's given the tongue of those who are taught. 
And the NIV says he has the instructed tongue. We'll get back to Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah in a moment. But first, Pastor Michael has an invitation for you. Hey, if you're looking for a fellowship to participate in and you're anywhere within driving distance of the Inland Empire, I pastor a church along with other pastors. I'm the senior pastor of Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona. And we do two Sunday morning services each Sunday, 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m., We happen to be moving through the book of Philippians at the current moment. Hey, plan on joining us this weekend. We'd love to have you. I'd love to meet you. I'll meet you right there at the Donuts. Maybe we'll split a maple bar. (laughs) And hey, remember, if you can't join us, if you're not within the Inland Empire, then find a good, healthy Bible teaching church and go and serve the Lord because he's worthy. And when we're part of the body, an active part of the body, man, it makes a big difference in our lives and the lives of others. So make sure you're plugged in to fellowship this weekend. God bless you. Learn more about Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, where Pastor Michael Lance serves as senior pastor. When you visit walkintruth.com or call 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to see who's listening. So please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. He awakens my ear to listen as a disciple. I told you this is the third of four servant songs. It begins to point to the Messiah prophetically. And one thing that you can know about the Messiah is that he was given the tongue of a disciple. If you have uh, New King James, it says he was given the tongue of the learned Uh, ESV says he's given the tongue of those who are taught, and the NIV says he has the instructed tongue. One time I brought this up at a wedding. I was marrying two people who were very young in the Lord, and I said something about the tongue. I said, you got to be careful about your tongue, and people in the audience started giggling. And I'm thinking, what's these people's problems? I didn't think I said anything that funny. Well, afterward, my wife said, do you realize the audience that you were talking to? When you said tongue, they don't know what you're talking about. You should have said how you talk. People don't say tongue. And I said, oh, that's right. That's why they were laughing at me. I said, you got to be careful about your tongue. I don't know what they were thinking when I said that. But anyway, Jesus had the tongue of a disciple. What does that mean? The book of James says no one can tame the tongue. This is the idea of your speech. Jesus, Messiah, had the tongue of a disciple. He had the tongue of the learned. And what flowed from his mouth was truth and instruction. John 8, 40, he says, But as it is, you are seeking to kill me, a man who has told you the truth. Before Pilate, Jesus said, I've come to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who hears my, everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. John 18, 37. I wonder, thinking that, you know, the, the servant Messiah is the ultimate disciple. Have you noticed that the more instruction you get, the more your tongue seems to follow? I've noticed that. Because when I was a non-Christian, and even in my early Christian days, you would probably have to bleep out a lot of words that I spoke. But now I find that those things don't flow from me because that's not what I invest in. I spend a lot of my time investing in instruction. I spend a lot of my time 
in the word of God and that starts to frame my language because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So sometimes we were shopping the other night. We were shopping last night, buying a couple pairs of shorts. And this mom, <laughs> she was going uh, back and forth in the aisles and she had a probably about an eight-year-old boy with her and she was going, and you, and you just be quiet. And you... And she was using a word that's common. I won't use it now, but she was kind of trying to refrain a little bit. Just shut up. Just be quiet. And I thought, well, on one end, at least she's parenting her boy. You know, that seems to be a lost art, parenting your child. You know, that seems to be. Anyway, so, so I, I said to the boys, cool, at least she's trying to keep him in line. But then the wheels came off, man. Because she started going, and then he went into the dressing room, and he was commenting on the pants he was trying on. These bleep and bleep, bleep, bleep pants, bleep, and my kid's in the next dressing room. I'm like, you're going to have to, what is this kid, a little sailor? He's about eight years old. And the bleep, bleep, bleep. And my son like this, looks at me and says, it's not a shock. You see how she talks? And I said, that's right. That's where he gets it. He gets it from her. Do you have the tongue of a disciple? You know, what happens is the more truth shapes your life, the more it comes out of your mouth. Those, those things just... Have you ever noticed, after I became a Christian, um, and maybe it's because I'm just naive and I'm not around those words as much, but sometimes it'll happen to me. Uh, I... I'm not playing racquetball right now, but I'd be in the racquetball court with a group of unbelievers who know I'm a pastor and a word will slip because they'll not make a shot or not be pleased with a shot I made. And they'll say, oh, pastor, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. And I say, you may kiss my ring and I'll give you absolution. Go ahead. No, I say, hey, look, I'm not the one that you should be worried about. But I've been tempted many times and you might want to use this to say to a young person who's talking that way, and, and I, I actually said this to a, a young man that I'm coaching in the last couple of weeks. I said, you know, when you spoke that way, this is a young teenage man, young man. I said, that reflected on you. Those words that you used, he was unhappy at something that happened in the game, and he made it known. I said, that, that spoke of who you are. That spoke about what's in here. That's a reflection of you. The only way people will really know you Get this, is how you speak and conduct yourself. People will conclude things about how you speak. Jesus said, your heart is revealed by your speech. And I know a lot of you young people, you're on the campus, that's all you hear, all day long. And maybe you get sick of it, and maybe you find it hard not to speak that way. But I'm telling you, the more your life is informed by truth, the more you'll, you'll realize you don't need to talk that way. And to me, it's like develop a vocabulary other than those words. It really makes you look dumb. But I think the pressure is to be cool. See, Jesus had the tongue of a disciple. And people, when they encountered Jesus, they said, never did a man speak this way. Now, I, I want just a little bit of that. I want to leave an impression upon people that shocks them by the difference that they find. I don't need to curse. 
I don't need to run everybody down to make myself feel better. As a matter of fact, I'm finding that a little word of encouragement to someone who's used to being beat up can change their life. We had a memorial service for uh, Candace Green, who uh, many of you got a chance to get to know her a little bit. She went home to be with the Lord, fought cancer for a long time. And person after person at her memorial service walked up here to this podium and said, Candace changed my life because when everybody else was down on me, she said, you can make it, sweetheart. God loves you. There's something good that's going to happen. And she spoke words of life, and those, those people were up here crying. And for some of them, those words had been spoken decades before, and they couldn't forget it because they were so used to everybody running them down and nobody ever saying something positive to them, like, you know what? God loves you, and you, you're okay. You're going to make it. See, Jesus had the tongue of a disciple, of the learned one, and I would say to you that this is something important for a gospel ministry. We should be people who can articulate our faith, here's a word, cogently. What does that mean? Clearly. We should be people who are able to know arguments and how to present a a cosmological argument. What's that? That's a big word that means, if someone says to you, there's no God, say, well, how do you think everything got here? Well, I don't know. It was an explosion 20 billion years ago. Explosions cause a lot of order, don't they? They design a lot of things, right? And say to them, you know what? You're a person of great faith. To believe an explosion could design your eye? Hey, let me tell you something. See that building across the street? 20 million years ago, something exploded and a bunch of parts started going... And they all came together to form the windows and the door handles and paint that, uh, the edges that certain color and everything just, come on. See, the informed person, he can give a good word, a word of truth. And that word, look at the middle of verse four, can sustain somebody. You've been listening to A Word to Sustain the Weary, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. That's Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 50. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Part 1 when you follow Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, listen to our new mini-sodes called A Step Closer. Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Player FM, and many more. Subscribe for free to hear Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, this may be the first time that you're hearing this insight into Messiah, that he is one who has a word to sustain the weary. And it shouldn't surprise any of us who have been walking with the Lord for a short time or an in-between time or a long time, because his word has a way of sustaining the weary. He Bid us to come, all who are weary and heavy laden, and he would give us rest. And he does. And maybe that's you right now. Maybe you're weary of a certain besetting sin. Maybe you're weary and you're in the ministry and you've just simply become weary of difficulty, of challenge. Maybe you've looked in the mirror lately and you're, and you're just like, man, I'm tired. Well, he knows how to provide a word to sustain the weary. I remember some years ago, I was just praying in a home office and it was something like this, Lord, I just need to hear from you. And 
I got a email within a short amount of time from a friend that rarely ever emailed me and it had a scripture. And basically it was a scripture about uh, a specific need that I had in that moment and that God was the God of encouragement and perseverance from Romans chapter 15. And it was a word for a weary soul in the moment. And my prayer for you is that if that's you, you would know that the Lord Jesus has a word for you right now. You say, Pastor Michael, what's the word? The word is that he gives strength to the weary. That's really what this is all about, that when we are in need of help, and we constantly are, let's face it, he is able to sustain us with his word and the power of his spirit and the beauty of what surrounds us, which is the power of God, the power of the kingdom. This is Pastor Michael Lance. Hey, we are walking through the book of Isaiah. We have hit chapter 50. We are continuing to uh, delve into the majesty of the book of Isaiah. And there's so much great stuff in it. I pray you've been blessed by it. Remember, you can find out more about the ministry when you go to walkintruth.com. And uh, you can find out a lot more about what's going on and how you can partner and pray. That's walkintruth.com. This is Pastor Michael. We'll see you right here tomorrow. And remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events too. Please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 50 called A Word to Sustain the Weary. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.